You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Our worship was awesome this morning. I love, love, love lifting up the name of Jesus. Last week, we started a brand new series called The Power of Giving. And what we did last week is we just looked at an overview of what giving is and how it's actually powerful. We saw that giving is an opportunity, not an obligation. And we saw that giving is an outward expression that reveals an inward condition. And we talked about how God really looks at the heart of the giver and how the giver should be a, a cheerful type person. So this week, what I want to do is I just want to dig into the the heart side of this a little more and how we as Christ followers should really live a life of abundant generosity. And when we do that, we show that we're following Jesus. We show that God has really penetrated our hearts in every aspect of our life. But before we move forward, I kind of want to I want to give you two different lenses that people look at Christianity. And one lens is a moral type lens that Christianity is some kind of moral vision that there's a list of what we're supposed to do as Christians and a list of what we're not supposed to do. And if you've been raised in church, if you've been in church for a long time, uh, a lot of us seem to kind of fall towards that lens of, man, this is what Christianity looks like. It's a moral vision. And for those of you who may not have grown up in church and you're kind of looking at Christianity or the, the church from the outside, you may tend to also line up with that lens that Christianity is just a bunch of do's and don'ts. And God's ultimate purpose is some moral vision. And I want you to know something this morning. God is definitely a God who has some type of moral vision. It's all throughout Scripture. But that's not what Christianity is. So I want to present to you another lens, and that is a lens of redemption. And Christianity is underneath that lens. Christianity says, hey, we can't be who we're supposed to be. We're going to fall short. We're going to sin. And God redeemed us through the blood of Jesus. And we don't try to do this moral life. We try to follow Jesus. And because Jesus is in us, then the moral life flows out of us. That's the difference between the two lenses. So this morning, as we dig into the heart of giving and the heart of the Christ follower, We must keep in mind that Christianity is really about redemption. It's about the love of God. It's not about some moral code or a moral vision. It's about who God is and what God has done and continues to do each and every day. That's that's the lens of Christianity that we should be looking through because it's the only lens that is the truth. God didn't come just to give us some moral code. He came to redeem a fallen world. He came to redeem sinners through the blood of Jesus. 
And that's important for us to remember. And I told you last week that when you preach on giving, it's not really uh, the, the favorite topic in the room most of the time. A lot of people get uncomfortable. A lot of people don't like to have that conversation. So I want to just give you some statistics from Scripture just to help this morning. So in Scripture, prayer is mentioned a little over 500 times. A little over 500 times, which is a lot. And faith is mentioned almost as many times as prayer. And that makes sense to me because in order to pray, you got to have some kind of faith with your prayer. But giving, money, finances, there's over 2,000 verses in Scripture about this. Actually, if you break it down even more, 25% of Jesus' teaching had to do with money. That means that if, if I wanted to really align my teaching with the teaching of Jesus, then once a month we would talk about money. And y'all would run me out of here. We're in a different time, a different culture, and that's really an uncomfortable topic. But I just want you to know that as we go through this series, that we are aligning ourselves with the teaching of Jesus. But here's what Jesus didn't do. Although 25% of his teaching was about money, he never took up an offering. He never said, hey, we need a little extra money so we could build that children's wing in the synagogue. He never said, hey, I really need a, a nicer chariot so I could get from place to place a little quicker to spread the gospel. That was not his heart. Now, I'm not saying that that stuff's wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a building, that you shouldn't add to your building if that's needed. I don't think you should get a chariot as a pastor. But Jesus, although he taught about finances and money, he never once took up an offering, and he never once said, hey, I want to build bigger buildings. I want a, a better way to get from city to city. He didn't do that because he was focused on the heart of the giver, not the gift of the giver. And that's important for us this morning to understand that Jesus focuses on the heart of the giver, not necessarily the gift. So as we dig in this morning, what I want to do is we're just going to, we're going to read a few verses in Matthew chapter six. This is part of the sermon on the Mount where Jesus is just teaching life. He's teaching the truth. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. Because if you really want to know the heart of Jesus, he gives it to you in the Sermon on the Mount. He lets you know how it's supposed to be. So I wanted us to look at the lens of Christianity because we're going to see and we're, we have a tendency to say, hey, well, Jesus is telling us what to do and what not to do in this passage. But as we read this, I want you to really understand that this is about redemption and how Jesus has really redeemed humanity to live for him and to live like him. So starting in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, we see this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God, I pray that you speak this morning, that you help us to truly understand your heart and how you look at our heart. God, we pray that you do what only you can do in this place. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to give you just a little little context here to put us, to let you know where we are. Let's, let's be really practical this morning. So we fall somewhere in our culture, in our generation, between Ecclesiastes and Job. And if you don't really know what that means, I want to explain that just a little bit. We see in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who was probably the richest person to ever walk the face of the earth. He had more money than you could even imagine. And he had an idea. Hey, I want to try everything under the sun to see if I can find some satisfaction. Everything outside of heaven to see if I can get some satisfaction from that. So he began to spend a lot of money and throw a lot of parties. And these weren't bad parties. These were good parties. I don't know if you've ever been to a bad party. Bad parties aren't fun. These weren't bad parties. These were great parties. Everything was paid for. A ton of people were there. He would have 200 cows and this many other animals and this many other animals. There's no way that anybody in this room could ever afford the type of parties that he threw. He was like a trillionaire. And he was throwing money around to see if he could figure out something that would satisfy him on this earth. And at the end of his life, he summed it up by saying, hey, all of that is meaningless. None of that stuff matters. And we'll never be that rich. So we're not quite there. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have Job who had everything taken away from him everything. And he realized that, hey, God is still enough. And people in this room, including myself, we will probably and hopefully never have everything taken away from us like Job. So we're somewhere in the middle. We don't have trillions of dollars. If you do, come see me. We'll talk about that children's wing. (laughs) And we're probably never going to have everything taken away from us the way Job did. So we're stuck in this in-between moment where we have, but we're still trying to find something that satisfies us underneath heaven, something that satisfies us right now on earth. But we can't spend trillions of dollars to do it because we don't have it. So what does that do? That paralyzes us financially. Because as we begin to spend money and spend money and spend money, a lot of us end up jammed up because we're spending money that maybe we think we have, but we don't really have. And through this message today, I'm going to hopefully show you through Scripture what it means to, to really have enough money. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have nice things and that you shouldn't have a nice house, that you shouldn't have a nice car, that you shouldn't eat good food. Y'all know I'm going to eat good food when I can. What I'm telling you is there's a, there's a biblical principle about finances and God is clear about it. And I want to make it as general and practical for you as I can through scripture this morning so that when we leave this place, we truly understand what it means 
to live with abundant generosity. Because that's what we're called to do as Christ followers is to live with abundant generosity. What we don't have is as much control as we think we do. We think that we control everything and that we can control everything. And if we're honest, man, our kids have a blast back there. If we're honest this morning and we really start reflecting and thinking about it, we don't have as much control as we think that we do. First of all, everything that we have has been given to us from who? From God. It's his. And we're stewards of that. He's, he's given us blessings. He's given us material things. He's given us what we have to be stewards of that to further his kingdom. Not so we can find satisfaction under the sun, under heaven, on earth, but so that we can be abundantly generous. So that we could help people to know who he is and to know his love. So that we could truly show God's love to the world. And that's what it's about. And we see way back in Genesis that Abraham, he kind of started this whole thing. And he gave 10% of what he had to the priest Melchizedek. And I just don't have time to, to tell you everything about Melchizedek. But, man, I would encourage you to go back and just to study him and just who he is. It's just fascinating. It's amazing to me. And then we see in Leviticus and Exodus how that continues and people are giving 10% of their, their first fruits, 10% of their crops, 10% of their animals, 10% of their income. They're just giving 10%. That was the standard and the baseline for which to give to God. So as we, as we think about this, I want you to know that me personally, I have made it a point in my life from a, a long time ago that, hey, no matter what, we're going to do the 10%. That's the baseline that we find in Scripture. And I want you to know that I'm faithful to that even here at Impact. And I want you to know why. Because I'm a member here. I'm not just a pastor. I'm a member of this body. This is my family. And this is your family. And when I'm not here, I miss my family. So I'm a member here. This is where we call home. This is where my kids are learning about Jesus on Sunday mornings. This is where me and my wife worship. This is our place. You guys are our tribe. Y'all are our, our flock. This is it for us. We don't want to go anywhere else. So we're faithful to that. And then we see in the New Testament that the word tithe kind of disappears. So there's a lot of questions about, hey, where did, the, where did the tithe go? Why do people not talk about the tithe anymore? Why is the 10% not mentioned in the New Testament? And I want to propose two reasons for that this morning. One is this, that people just knew that that was the standard. That was the baseline. It was proven all throughout history that 10% was just the standard baseline offering or tithe that you would give, which tithe literally means a tenth. But the second reason, and this is the, the big thing I want to talk about this morning, is abundant generosity kind of flipped the world upside down. 
because the church began to, to give even more than the standard baseline. The church began to give abundantly and to be generous in all things and to give as much as they could possibly give. So the 10% wasn't really talked about, one, because it was a standard and people knew it, it was the baseline, but two, because God's people decided, hey, we want to be even more generous than that. We want to live a life of abundant generosity. And we read this verse early this year, and I want to read it to you again. In Acts 2.45, it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Here's what was happening. Let's say that somebody, let's say your neighbor has a really nice car, and one day you see their car's gone. And you go to that neighbor and you're like, Hey, you had a really nice car. Where'd it go? And they tell you where somebody from church was really struggling. They, they lost their job. They didn't have money to pay their bills. They just couldn't stay afloat. So we decided to sell our car and to give them the money to get them back on their feet. So some of us would be like, man, that's awesome. Some of us would be like, man, you're crazy. That sounds kind of cultish, you know, whatever. And that's kind of how the early church was. Hey, if people needed it, the church came together to provide. It was abundant generosity. And we talk about abundant generosity here at Impact all the time. It is one of our values, and we truly believe in it. And we don't believe in it because it's an obligation. We talked about it last week. We believe because it's an opportunity to show God's love to the world. And I believe that the New Testament church has shown abundant generosity, and we see that in Scripture. We see that the very first church were selling their possessions and that they were helping people, that anybody that had need, they were taken care of. They were part of the body. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how we're all part of the body of Christ and how we all have roles to play. And that includes abundant generosity. And that's what Giving is all about. It's about being generous and abundant in our giving. So as we dig in, this is what I want you to know. I want you to, to know just a few things. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7, it says this, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We talked about that last week. And then in 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 17, it says, As for the rich in this present age, and before you kind of check out, and say, well, I'm not rich. You can look at my bank account. I don't have that much money in there. I want you to know something. If you're sitting in this room, you are rich in the present age because we're blessed in the Western world because the rest of the world will never know what it's like to have the, the resources and the finances and the material things that we have. So every single person in this room is rich in this present age. So this verse is for us. So don't check out. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share 
thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Everywhere we turn, we see something about what the good life is. On TV, they always want to show us what the good life looks like. On our news feed as we're scrolling, everything we see is about living the good life, the life of comfort, the life of luxury. And God says, hey, the good life is that you're generous. The good life is that you love people. The good life is that you do good to people. The good life is that you follow me so that I can overflow out of you. That's the good life. So as, we, as we're just consumed with this culture of, man, you have to have this, you have to look this way, you have to buy this, you have to drive this, you have to live in a house like this, your family has to look like this, the family photos, everybody should be smiling. None of my family photos, everybody's smiling. It's usually me that's not. Man, I don't know if you've ever tried to take family photos with three kids. It's not fun. And when they're smiling, I'm kind of looking off like, man, when is this over? So we never get a good picture until Ashley kind of speaks up and then everybody gets in line because she's just got that voice. It's like God from above. It's scary. But the deal is this, that the good life is about loving people. The good life is about being generous. The good life is about chasing Jesus. It's not about what the world calls luxury, what the world calls beauty, what the world calls normal. It's what God says. And God says, don't be, don't be haughty. Don't be proud. I've given you what I've given you so that you can bless people. I've given you what I've given you so that you could bless people. So let me give you something that I believe is a biblical principle of finances. I believe that the Bible is clear that we should have some type of margin in our finances. And when I say that, I, this is what I truly believe. And these verses that we just read back this up is that we should have a margin to where we are abundantly generous. And you may be sitting here saying, hey, I don't have a margin in my budget. And I may step on some toes here, but I want to say this, and I want to be really clear about it because this is what the Bible teaches, is that if you have a house that you can't afford and you say, hey, well, I can afford it, and you have a car that you can afford or that you can't afford, and you say, hey, the payment's only 900 I got a 12-year note on it. I can afford that. Here's the deal. If you have nothing left over to be abundantly generous, you cannot afford it. If you don't have a margin in your budget to be generous to people, to give to the local body, to give to, to people, to give to, to God's kingdom, to invest like we talked about last week, you can't afford what you have. That's the biblical principle of finances. And I know that, that man, that, that's hard, but that's the truth. Because we see that God himself in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, he is in himself generous. 
We talked about the greatest gift ever last week and how God sent his son as a gift for us. Sinners rebelling against him. He himself is generous. And if we truly say that, hey, we have the the Holy Spirit within us, we're following Jesus, then we too must be generous as he is generous. And the more that we live with him, the more that the Spirit is poured into our life, the more that we grow in his love, then the more generous we become. But the truth is this, if we don't have a margin in our budget for abundant generosity, then we can't afford what we have. Now, God isn't against us having a nice house and nice cars. But he wants us, first and foremost, to be abundantly generous. And we flip this in our culture, is that whatever we have left over after we have this nice stuff, we're going to give to God. And it should be, we're going to give to God and we're going to be abundantly generous and whatever we have left over, we'll get some nice stuff. And we flip that around. And one of the reasons is because pastors like me are afraid to talk about money. We're afraid to bring up the, that bad word, budget. And budgeting is not, I'm not telling you that it's easy. I'm not telling you you can sit down today and come up with a budget and be thrilled with the budget that you create. But what I'm telling you is that biblically speaking, we're called to be generous. And if we don't budget well to create some margin for generosity, then we're not being abundantly generous. We're not living the way that God has called us to live. And there's three things that our finances can tell us about ourselves, And we see this in the, in the passage we read in Matthew. But number one is this, it reveals our affections. We see in verse 20, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you invest, that's where your heart is. That's not me talking, that's, that's the Bible talking. If you invest in really nice things and you have nothing left over and that's where your focus is, that's where your heart is. That's what you value. And I'm afraid, especially in America, the church values things and materialism over God. That we can say, hey, God's blessed us, he's given us this, And I'm not saying that he hasn't blessed you and that he hasn't given it to you. I'm saying that you haven't stewarded well. If you have no margin for generosity and your priority and your value are on things and not on God. So your finances can tell you about your affections. And this is a hard truth for a lot of us. Because if we sat down and we actually kind of put our money where it's going and we put it in different categories, it kind of shows you what you value. And you may be surprised to hear this, but my top one is food when I do this with my budget. And I do value food, just being honest. But I don't value food more than I value God. And I'm not telling you that you can't like stuff and that you shouldn't have stuff. Again, that's not my heart and that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God wants you to have nice things. 
He's not against that. He's against you valuing those things over him. He's not against money. He's against you valuing money over him. And if we really just reflect on our life and on our finances, it can truly reveal our affections. Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And then we see, number two, is that it reveals our attributes. Verse 22 and 23 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And I know as we read that, it's like, man, that makes no sense. I don't even know what you just said. So this is what that means. This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, hey, this is, everything starts here, right? With the eyes. Jesus is saying, hey, you may think that you're good in every aspect of your life. And financially, you're just off a little bit. But you're good with everything else. And you're satisfied with that. As long as everything else is good and I'm off here, then I'm cool with that. I'm cool being off with one part. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you're off with one part, the whole body is dark. That you can't pick and choose. That if you really want to follow me, you follow me with your finances. You follow me with your relationships. You follow me with every single aspect of your life. And then we realize that, man, that's hard. It's hard to do that. I need some help. And that's the truth. And we talk about this, that we can't do it. That the Holy Spirit has to work in us. That we have to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to move within us and to penetrate our life every single day so that we can truly chase after Jesus. So that every area of our life is aligned with God. Not because it's a moral code of do's and don'ts, but because he has redeemed us. So we're not really trying to live for him. We're living with him. There's a difference. Do you understand that this morning? There's a difference between living for Jesus and living with Jesus. And when we can live with Jesus on a daily basis, we have a relationship that is so intimate, a relationship that we just never want anything to come in between. Man, he begins to work in our life and these principles and this moral vision begins to overflow out of us. So we respect him and we honor him and we glorify him with every aspect of our life. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. That's what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Is that we don't just have a little light here and darkness here and darkness here and just a tiny bit of light here. Is that we let the light of Jesus shine. And that's what it's about. And we see that our finances really reveal our attributes. So we know that God is a God of generosity. And we see that our attributes are tied directly to our giving, to our generosity. Are we generous people? Do we have the same attributes as Jesus? And that's an easy question to answer once we begin to really reflect and dig in to our finances.
Are we abundantly generous as Jesus is abundantly generous? And let's be honest, we're never going to give as much as God. We just can't. And they tell you this, and one of the things that, man, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and one of the things that they, they love to say, especially when they didn't really mind talking about money, especially when they were preaching about money, is that you, you can't outgive God. And I believe that statement. But I believe that when it was said when I was a kid that it was, hey, give a lot of money and God will give you more. But what I want you to understand about that statement, the truth of that statement to me is that no matter how much we give, God has already given more. That we can't outgive what he's already given. But it shouldn't stop us from being abundantly generous because he's called us to be that way. And our finances not only reveal our affections, not only reveal our attributes, but it reveals our allegiance. In verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the Greek word here is mammon. That's what this word is for money. And there's a lot of debate over what that word really means. Is it just money or is it just this or is it just this? So the, the overview of the word mammon just means material things. So what Jesus is saying, hey, you can't serve me and this stuff. You can't serve me and the world. There's no way. It reveals our allegiance. Our finances really do that. It reveals if we're really allegiant, if we pledge allegiance to the world or if we pledge allegiance to God. And you may be sitting, sitting here and saying, man, I just didn't realize that money was this important. Like, I don't have a lot of it anyway. So your finances and the way that you give tell a lot about who you are and how you're following Jesus. And it's important for us to understand this. And there may be some of you sitting here saying, hey, you know what, I really want to, I want to live for Jesus the best I can, but I really am just jammed up financially. I got a credit card when I was younger and it had a 74% interest rate and I didn't even know what that meant. So now it started with $2,000 and now it's $80,000 and I don't know how to get out of debt. I graduated from school with $70,000 in student loans and then I married someone and they had $70,000 and now, man, I just, we're so jammed up, we don't know where to start. And I have some encouraging news for you this morning is that it took you years to get into that and you're not going to get out of it in a day. And that God sees you and that God loves you and that we have people here for you that can help you, that can sit down with you and say, hey, I know that you're, you're not in a really good spot, but let's put a plan in place. Let's begin to truly live the way that God has called us to live with our money. We have people here to help you. It's a, it's a ministry, it's a service for you. I believe that this stuff is best done in community. I believe that anytime we're chasing Jesus in any aspect of our life, 
It's better done together. So let people help you. If you can look at your finances and say, hey, man, it, it really shows that my affections aren't, aren't for Jesus the way that they're supposed to be, that my attributes really don't, don't line up with his abundant generosity, and that my allegiance is, is probably more to this material stuff than it is to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to know, first of all, you're not alone. It's not just you, and that I've been there myself. And I can tell you some decisions I made when I was younger that y'all would slap me in the back of the head for. Because I didn't understand how my money directly reflected my relationship with Jesus. Because we don't think about that. Because nobody talks about that. Except Jesus. 25% of the time. So it's important. And as we, as we close this morning, what I want you to, to understand and what I want you to, to really get out of today, I'm not asking you to begin to give to Impact Church. I'm not asking you to begin to give 10% of your income. I'm not asking for any of that. What I'm telling you this morning and what I really hope that we understand is that if we're going to follow Christ the way that he's called us to, if we're truly going to be the church beyond the 52 Sundays of the year, then we must be abundantly generous. And there's no way we could be abundantly generous if we don't have our finances in order. If we don't create that margin in our budget and in our lifestyle to be abundantly generous, we'll never get there and we'll never be the generous givers that God has called us to be. And what does is, what is giving do? Because that's a big question, right? If I give to the church, what does that even do? If I give to some of these organizations, what does that even do? If I give food to people that need it, what, what is the impact of all of this? And we mentioned this last week, but people's lives can be forever changed because you showed them the love of God. That people who are on their way to an eternity in hell, separated from God, because you were abundantly generous, because you show God's love to them, they could be brought from death to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of giving. That's the power of being abundantly generous. That's why we value it here. We value it because God has called us to be a certain type of people, to be set apart from the world, to live differently, and to put our allegiance in him, not on material things. He says, hey, you can't serve me and serve the material. You can't do it. What do you value this morning? What do you value? And I, I like nice things. I do. But also I've learned over time after mistake, after mistake, after mistake, after mistake, that God is in control of everything. That God owns everything. He's only given me what I have to be a steward of 
and to use what I can, what I have to bless other people, to be abundantly generous, to impact the kingdom of God. Man, I want a new truck. I'm being transparent with you this morning. I would love a brand new 2021 Silverado. A trail boss. But man, I, I don't have the finances to do that. And I'm okay with that because I don't value that over Jesus. And I'm not telling you this to make myself look good. I'm telling you because I've been where I didn't value Jesus more. And I know the difference in lifestyle. And I drive a 2006 Dodge Ram. The Ram doesn't even have Dodge in front of it anymore. But my truck still does. That's how old it is. And you know what? It gets me everywhere I need to go. And I put a nice radio in it. And I could, you know what? I could truly buy me a new truck. And I could make a payment on that truck. But you know what it would do? It would cut into my generosity. It would stop me from being able to bless other people. And that's what God has called me to do. That's what God has called you to do. And one day, you know what I believe? I believe one day I'll be able to buy me a nicer truck and still have the margin to bless other people. I truly believe that. But even if that never happens, man, my, my eyes are still on the cross. Because people have been abundantly generous to me. But even if they haven't, God has been abundantly generous to me. And because I pledge my allegiance to him and say, hey, you want it all. It's all yours. You gave it, you could take it away. So while I have it, I want to do what you want me to do with it. And it's not just with your money. And as we move along in this series, we're going to see that it's not just in your money, it's in your, your talents and in your time. And we're going to get in more detail about that. But I want you to, to really begin to live in a way that honors God financially. Because I want you to be free to be abundantly generous. I want you to be free to be a cheerful giver. To give because you want to worship and praise God with what he's given you. That's what it's all about. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.